Hello and welcome to the Road to the Garden podcast. It's Matt St. Jean here with Tommy Godin on the 12th day of biggest Big Eastmas. We made it, Tommy. We got through all the teams in the league. And now all that's left here is to look at the conference as a whole. And and we've talked about all the teams. It's it's an interesting year, big picture wise, for the Big East. It sure is. We got all twelve. We got all eleven teams and a partridge and a pear tree, Matt. <laughs> what what a what a wild ride that was, Big East Miss. We hope you enjoyed it, and and we we can't wait to start this league preview. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, you're listening to this on Friday, so the league play for Big East basketball will start on Monday. Eight games on Monday. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk schedule. You know, the end of this. We're going to start with the big picture stuff that we got on media day. You get two big things on media day. You get the coaches poll ranking the teams before the season, and you get the preseason player awards, first team, second team, honorable mentions. We're going to start by going through the rankings and talk about how they they mixed with what we have, um, our own power rankings. So the, the coaches this year ranked the Big East with Creighton at number one, Xavier at number two, Villanova at three, UConn at four, Providence at five, St. John's at six, Seton Hall at seven, Butler at eight, Marquette at nine, Georgetown at 10, and DePaul at 11. Creighton got eight out of 10 possible first place votes. Coaches are not allowed to vote for themselves in these, so maximum of eight there. Xavier picked up two first place votes. Villanova got one. It was a one-vote difference between Xavier and Villanova for the two and three spots. Tommy, I want to start out here by looking at the order of the teams, two, three, and four, for Road to the Garden. We did our own preseason rankings here. We had Villanova at two, UConn at three, Xavier at four. Different order here. Xavier gets first place votes, and they're up at two. Nova is at three, outside of the top two, for the first time in the New Big East. And you get UConn there at four. What do you think about the differences in those two? Yeah, Xavier didn't get any first place votes in the Road to the Garden preseason poll. I don't know if Matt Norlander snuck into the Big East headquarters and and stuffed the ballot boxes overnight with the Big East preseason votes. But yeah, I mean, there's not much discrepancies. We talked about this all throughout the preseason about the three tiers in the Big East, one through four, five through nine, and DePaul and Georgetown. So not a whole lot of discrepancies. I think the biggest surprise was seeing Xavier at two above Villanova. We hadn't seen all preseason in most people's articles. Um, Xavier above three or four, we saw them as low as five. So I, I think seeing Xavier at two was a big surprise. Um, Nova at three, I get it. But yeah, other than that, there wasn't too many discrepancies from from the coaches poll to ours. No, and I, I think that's kind of telling about where the Big East is. I think from the outside, it kind of it, it, things kind of make sense here. Xavier getting, and I don't, I don't mind Xavier being as high as two. I disagree with no. it, but I don't mind it. What I do have an issue with is getting two first place votes, which means there's at least one coach out there who thinks Xavier has a better team than Creighton, and that that right there is an opinion that I don't know if I can buy into. We're obviously going to see here, but do you think there's a realistic chance that Xavier finishes higher than Creighton this year? 
realistic no um an outside chance sure i mean xavier's roster is extremely talented they finished the year as hot as you could finish it in the nit um they're bringing on a new coach i i don't think it's realistic to say that they can finish above crate i don't think it's even realistic to say that they could finish above villanova i think they're going to be battling it out with uconn for the third spot in the conference but i mean from an outside shot i mean why not right yeah that's fair um i'd be very interested to know which biggest coach it was is if we're assuming and it could it could have been two of them if Greg McDermott's first place vote went to Villanova, then that means that there were two coaches that put Xavier ahead of Vill- uh, ahead of Creighton. I think it's really, really interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, they know this better than I do. <laughs> so I will trust their opinions there, but I'm not seeing it from the outside. So we will we will see at some point where how how right that opinion is. Obviously, you can take these coaches' polls, not with a grain of salt, but a couple grains of salt. That's It's opinion at this point. You're projecting the future. It's hard to tell what's going to happen. Uh, and a one bounce of the ball can be the difference uh, between some of these spots. The other thing here, the only other difference we had was with St. John's and Seton Hall. The coaches put St. John's at six and Seton Hall at seven. We had that flip-flopped. You just want to talk about where those teams are in the conference, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Again, I mean, that five through nine, someone finishing fifth and another team finishing ninth, the, the margin of, of difference there, I don't think is going to be great. Um, I think that St. John's and Seton hall are in very similar positions in the conference. I like St. John's a little bit more um, bringing in the addition of Curbelo to pair with first teamer posh alexander um so i know we had them at seven the coaches had them at six but again that five through nine is going to be a cluster all through seat all throughout the season it's going to be a lot of fun to watch yeah i agree there uh, i think it's notable that ken palm has st john's actually as the fourth best team although within a tiny margin of xavier they're at 37 and 38 in the country and they have Seton hall at six and then providence back at seven we obviously have providence at five just like the coaches did so the analytics like st john's and i can i can see why there's a lot of talent on that team on paper whether it plays out is going to be another question there um, there are two teams from the big east in the ap top 25 that's creighton at nine and villanova at 16 st john's is sitting i believe at 27 in receiving votes. And then um, you got Xavier also receiving votes somewhere past that outside of those top four teams. If one team is to surprise you and win this whole thing, win the whole conference, which team would you pick? They're going to pull a Providence from last year, going from seventh to first. I'm going to pull a Providence from last year, going from seventh to first. Wow. Um, omitting the luck factor. I'm going to go with a team that we just talked about. St. John's. I think this year the guards in the Big East are much less talented than they have been in previous years. I think that this is a a front court heavy conference this year. And St. John's is equipped with Posh Alexander, Andre Curbelo leading that backcourt. They're going to wreak havoc 
on defense. This is going to be a team that nobody wants to play come January, February, even into March. So is, again, we're going to, we're going to bring in the word realistic. Is it realistic that they're going to win the big East? No. Is it realistic that they're going to finish top four? No, but could they? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Hey, we're having a little fun here. We're going, we're going for the outlier. We're going to see a little fun. Different. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, across Manhattan from where, where St. John's is. We're going to go from Queens all the way over to Newark with wow. Seton Hall. I think this is probably a stretch. I don't think we're going to win, but if you're looking for a team that's going to pull a surprise, I'll take the one with a defensive minded head coach. I will take the one with a veteran lineup and I'll take the one with a guy in Kadari Richmond, who is, is the first team, all big East caliber guy. If he puts everything together and can cut down on the turnovers, they got some depth and, and talent. I have questions about scoring, but if they're able to put it all together, again, with the age of that team, all of a sudden that's a team that can really bully guys and make things happen. And I think they, they're they the kind of team that will have the mentality to win on the road in the Big East, which is usually what it ends up taking if you want to win the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't, I mean – we're we're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I gotta say about that. Yeah, um, yeah. That's it, I, I have a hard time thinking anybody outside the top four is going to end up winning this. So exactly. yeah, let's look at the the teams here. The individuals are winning awards. Let's start with the preseason player of the year and freshman of the year. These were the same that we had a road to the garden preseason player of the year is Adama Sonogo freshman of the year is Cam Whitmore. These kind of seem like obvious choices to me on paper. Um, I think there's other options for both. I think, I think player of the year is going to be a lot more competitive than freshman of the year, but these are the clear front runners at this point. Yeah. Yeah. These, I, I agree with that. These are the clear front runners. I mean, we were talking about it a little bit before the show with at least the big East freshman of the year. Amina Muhammad was was hands down the pick for Big East Freshman of the Year and Ryan Ryan Nemhard, excuse me, won last year. So is it possible that Cam Whitmore doesn't come home with the award? Yeah, of course, but it's not likely. I mean, Cam is a is an outstanding outstanding freshman coming into Villanova. He won the MVP at the U eighteen FIBA Americas Championship this past summer, Maryland Player of the Year. I mean. This is a potential lottery pick we're talking about. He's NBA. His body is NBA ready right now. Really like Cam Whitmore. Then we move over to Adama Sinogo. I want to. I, I want to add another freshman on before we move over to the Player of the Year. Sure. Because I'm gonna. I'm gonna go Desmond Claude at Xavier as another name to watch on this one, just because he's a guy who has that kind of presence around him and that hype coming in, and he's he's gonna probably come off the bench to start the year for the Musketeers. But if he's able to put things together and develop in the front half of the season, he's going to get a lot of minutes. He could earn that starting job. He's competing with Sule Boom and Adam Kunkel for playing time. So if he's able to beat them out and be a really good player, he's the type of guy who Cam Whitmore is still going to be a lottery pick, but maybe he doesn't put up the numbers that somebody else ends up doing. Completely fair. I, I, I like your reasoning there as well. well thank you. Thank you very much. Let's talk Sonogo. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sonogo. I mean, we brought it up last episode. We were talking about Providence, about the 
three or four solid front court guys in the conference in the Eric Dixon, Sonogo, Kalkbrenner, and even Nunji. I mean, any one of those guys could compete for Big East Player of the Year this year. I went a little out there. I went a little out there. I, I went with Caleb Daniels. You know, he, he is he worked on his leadership this offseason. We've talked about it. He's he's improved his body, he's improved his shooting. I think the ceiling for Caleb Daniels is so incredibly high. I think not enough people are talking about him. I think he's going to remind a lot of people um, why that he should be talked about. <laughs> but I don't have any problems with with Sonogo coming home with the the preseason award. I mean, he was top 10 in scoring last year. He led the conference in rebounding. I mean, it, it seemed like a layup of a pick. Yeah, I think the only other guy who's really in this conversation for me at the top is going to be Ryan Kalkbrenner just because he was defensive player of the year last year, and he's going to be on a team that's projected first. Creighton wins this whole thing like they're expected to, and he has the season people think he could have. He could very easily get that preseason player of the year award. The other guy I'll throw in there, I think Colby Jones is in this conversation. They've been talking about him at Xavier. like He's added a lot to his game. If you're a true wing player like that, you can, and you can do a lot, and you're able to defend that's a recipe that can also get you into that player of the year conversation. So I think he's, he's absolutely in it, but Sonogo is the guy right now. And I'm, I'm excited to see what that team looks like around him this year. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. agree more. Now looking at the list um, of first, second team and, and honorable mention, I mean, I'll, I'll let you go through it here in a minute, but is there anyone that's not on here that you think, was snubbed. Um, I'll go through the first team is yeah. Ryan Cockbrenner, Jared Bynum, Posh Alexander, Colby Jones, and Jack Nunji. Uh, Sonogo obviously doesn't count towards it. I don't really see any snubs on the first team. I think you can make arguments for some of the guys on the second team, but the first team makes sense to me. The right. second team, which there's an extra spot on because there was a tie in the voting. Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Nemhard, Kadari Richmond, Caleb Daniels, Eric Dixon, and Justin Moore. It's, an, it's just a, it's an interesting group. And I think it's interesting for the guys that are left out. No Trey Alexander for Creighton. I know you want to talk about him, but no Brendan Slater for Villanova in that mix. And I think the second team is usually where you see the most movement in these anyway. I think there's a lot of guys who could compete for a spot on the second team that aren't necessarily snubbed. But if they end up here at the end in March, nobody's going to be surprised about it. Um, I look at a guy like Bryce Hopkins, Providence. If he becomes what people expect him to be, um, like a Tyler Kolick at Marquette is a guy who could figure into that. I think those are two of the big ones. Kudis Wahab is a guy who was one of those guys at Georgetown. Brandon Murray, I think, should be in that conversation for the Hoyas as well. There's just there's a lot of talent around the Big East. Um, and even some of the guys at St. John's, David Jones, I'm a little bit surprised to not see him on there. Andre Curbelo is a guy who could be on this list. It's, that second tier of Big East talent is incredibly deep, and I think there could be a lot of movement here between now and February and March. Yeah. Yeah, and you took one of my guys, David Jones. I I, I agree with your sentiment that there's no snubs per se. But the second team is going to get shifted around a little bit. David Jones was the third leading scorer in the conference last year. Comes into a great situation 
at St. John's where he has a chance to really solidify himself as a bucket in the, um, as a forward. But yeah, then there's Brandon Slater. I, I don't know how he doesn't get even an honorable mention vote. Cam Whitmore got one. I understand it again, potential lottery pick, but Brandon Slater at times carried Villanova in the big East tournament and the NCAA tournament His three was hitting on all cylinders. He's an outstanding defender. He's athletic. He looks physically ready to guard anybody one through five. I I think Brandon Slater is not getting talked about enough in the conference. It might just be my bias. I'll be the first to admit that and tell you that, but but Brandon Slater uh, not making any of the teams, even honorable mention was kind of surprising for me. Yeah. I thought that was interesting, especially like, I think the biggest question mark here is Justin Moore because of his injury. And to have three Villanova veterans make that second team and have Brandon Slater not be in there is interesting. Obviously, we're going to see what happens. Room for that to change. We don't know what we're getting out of Justin Moore this year. I think Moore and Daniels are guys who could very easily make first team. I think Dixon's a guy who could also make first team, if not for the log jam that there is at the center position, forward position this year. Also, we can talk about the honorable mentions here too. Chuck Harris, who the exhibition the other night had a really, really good game for Butler. Baylor Shireman, who was our pick for transfer of the year, and Cam Whitmore, like you mentioned. All guys who could make the first team all Big East if things break the right way for them this year. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, One name I was... I wasn't shocked that wasn't on here, but I think it's telling was uh, Zach Fremantle at Xavier guy who was, was a first team all big East guy last year. And now here we are. And he's not only is he not on the list, but he's not even the first guy that comes to mind when you think of snubs. It's just with that injury he had last year, I think it's crazy to see the way that that situation has evolved. It's crazy that you mentioned that I, all this research that we've done over the last week or two to get out all of these previews. I, I can't believe that that slipped my mind originally. I <laughs> couldn't believe that he was a first teamer last year. And and now we're, we're talking about David Jones and Brandon Slater, Kudus Bob and, and Fremantle just completely slipped my mind. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Who is suspended earlier in the process. He's back now. We'll, we're going to see what that looks like at Xavier. Very, very interesting situation there we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up like we have been though with all of the team previews and go with a couple a couple different storylines here a couple different things we're gonna talk biggest questions in the big east before we talk specifically biggest question for the conference i got a couple questions for you and that's about the coaching situation here four new guys coming in you got kyle neptune at villanova Bad Mata at Butler, Sean Miller at Xavier, and Shaheen Holloway at Seton Hall. Which four of those guys do you think is going to be most successful in his first season with the new school? Or back with an old school? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think by default, I'll have to go with Kyle Neptune and not just because of, of course, my bias. Um, He has the most talent around him. He has the, the not necessarily the most experienced team, but the most combination of experience and talent out of any team that he's adopted. I mean, 
it's a top 25 team in the country. I think by default, I'll have to go him. But if I didn't have to pick him, I think the best coach who would be the best coaching hire going into this season, Thad Mata. I talked to Manny Bates at Big East Media Day. He lit up when his face lit up when I brought up Thad Mata. He had nothing but good things to say about him. The players love him. Other coaches love him. Sean Miller talking about he's still my best friend from their days together at Miami, Ohio, and then at Xavier. So, uh, yeah, I'd have to go with with Thad Mata. Yeah, and I I like the Thad Mata pick there because the ceiling is – or the the floor is so low. (laughs) The expectations there at Butler. This is a team that's not coming in with the highest expectations and one that did not do well at the end of last season. And really, it's a program trying to figure itself out right now. So if Thad Mata is able to turn this around at all, for, for this to be a success for him in year one, the bar is way lower than it is for any of these other coaches. You got a, a Seton Hall program that was in the tournament last year, a Villanova program that was in the Final Four last year, and Xavier program that should have been in the NCAA tournament and then obviously won the NIT. So expectations are going to be way higher in all those other places. Also, I think Sean Miller might be the best hire out of all of these guys in that he is probably one of the best track records of any of these coaches coming in combined with youth and yeah. really good experience and knowledge of that school as well. We'll see. I don't know if that manifests itself in year one at Xavier, but I think by next season, we'll see it. I think you can already see it in the recruiting that they've had out there. And Shaheen Holloway, and I picked Seton Hall as a surprise pick to win this whole thing, win the Big East in the regular season, or maybe a team that could win the Big East tournament because of that intensity he can bring. He's the biggest unknown in this group, which means you can put you can put anything on him you want. You can say he's going to be the best coach of this group. You can say he's going to be the worst coach of this group. And it's hard to hard to argue because there isn't a lot of history there, apart from a couple of years there at St. Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Shaheen, I think his first couple of years, I mean, at least his first year, I don't think is going to go as planned for him. But I think in the long run, he, he is gonna he is gonna work out at St. John's. But segueing into working out at programs, coaches that are not working out at their current programs on the hot seat, I currently have Patrick Ewing, obviously, and Mike Anderson at St. John's. I'll, I'll let you go into a little bit more, but those are the obvious two picks for coaches on the hot seat, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there's guys who with with a good with a bad year this year could end up in the hot seat going into the the next season or conversations could start to emerge. But these are the two guys to right now, if they don't live up to whatever the internal expectations are there, they're going to be out at the end of this year. Uh, Obviously, I think a lot of people were surprised that Patrick Ewing is even still there after the 0-19 conference play from Georgetown last year. But he's back for another season. They're giving him one more go there. And then Mike Anderson, he's an older guy, I know. And they brought in a lot of talent in Queens for St. John's. So if they can't put it all together and this scheme is not working with him at the helm there, then I think they're going to look to go in a different direction. Obviously, both of those situations, I hope that isn't the case. You never want to see a Big East legend or a really, a really good coach in Mike Anderson leave and i expected things to go differently with mike anderson than they have i liked that coaching hire a lot so we'll we'll see how that goes um yeah i, th- I think that's it though for guys who, who are on the hot seat 
come at least at the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta be it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on the way we've been doing all of these. Tommy, what is the biggest question for the big East this year? Biggest question for the big East. (laughs) That's a good one. I think now that Jay Wright is gone out of Villanova, the big East isn't going to have the traditional for lack of a better word, crutch that was Villanova that consistently year after year um, went to the NCAA tournament, won some games in the NCAA tournament, won two national championships. So I think not having the crutch that is Villanova in the big East is going to be the biggest question. Who's going to step up? Who's going to carry the torch? Is it going to be Kyle Neptune? I think it can be, but what other teams are going to step up? not only this year, but in the future to, to carry the big East to what we've come to expect it to be. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think that probably is the biggest question here. And that's the top storyline for the conference. I'm going to go with another one, which is kind of the overarching story for all of college basketball. How do teams adjust to the transfer portal era? And I think this is specifically, we're, we're going to look at the, these coaches and their approaches to it. So Providence and Georgetown, lots of transfers there. Marquette, only one guy coming in, and he's from a lower level. Very different strategy there. Got a team like Butler that was bad last year, bringing guys in. A team like DePaul last year that struggled. It's just it's a new way of team management. And how coaches are going to be able to handle that type of team management is going to be the decider on which teams are going to be good going forward. This is, it's not just about high school recruiting anymore. You got it. You're double recruiting right now. There's two aspects of this at all times. And you got to be able to be good. You have to be good at both or elite at one of them to have a good team year over year. I just want to see how the coaches adjust to that and what it looks like here in in year year two of the era. Yeah. Yeah. Are you an advocate of the transfer portal? You a big fan of it personally? I I like it. I think it's good. I think it's good for the players and the, the coaches can get up and leave anytime they want to. So yeah. I have a hard time. And regular students, by and large, can get up and leave whenever they want to if they aren't playing sports and go to a different school. So I don't really have an objection to athletes doing the same thing. I was, there should be some rules around it. But by and large, I think it's, I think it's good for the players. And I think it just... It's different. It's going to be different for the coaches. You just got to adjust. Uh, I don't. I don't think it'll make the product worse unless the coaches can't handle how to do this. But the coaches that can handle how to do this are going to be the ones who end up becoming great. Yeah, yeah. You hit the nail right on the head there, Matt. <laughs> Adjusting. That's that's what this whole thing is. That's what college sports are about, right there. Adjusting to things as they change. We're going to look at the schedule here. We've been doing games for every team. So if you go through our team previews, you can get specific games for each team that we think you should watch. But we narrowed down three from each of us in conference play that we think are going to be some of the biggest ones here. Tommy, I'll let you go through yours. or We, we, we can alternate. Yeah. Let's alternate here. We can go in chronological order. So what's the, what's the first game you picked in conference play? That's a must watch. First game I picked is a game I know you'll be watching. It's your sleeper team to win the conference, Seton Hall <laughs> versus your alma mater, Providence. I mean, Ed Cooley, outstanding coach, Big East champion, Providence. 
I mean, these are two very similar teams. I have them neck and neck in the conference. Um, there's going to be a log jam in the middle of a conference. It's going to be an earlier game in the season. Um, it's going to be good to see how Shaheen Holloway fares against similar competition. Um, my first game to watch is definitely going to be Providence Seton Hall on December 17th. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Like you said, an early, early conference game. Uh, they're, they're pushing them earlier every year this year. I'm going for one. My first one here is going to be a week and a half later in that break between Christmas and New Year's. It's Villanova at UConn. The last time these two teams played, it was a crazy affair. Dan Early getting ejected. And, sorry, last time they played at this building because they played in the Big East tournament. The last time they were at that building, that was a wild, wild game. These are two fan bases that really don't like each other already. This is a really good rivalry already in the Big East now that UConn's back. And I'm just excited for this. Two of the top teams in the conference should tell us a lot about where they are at the start of conference play. And they're going to end up meeting each other on the very last day of the conference. So you'll get the opportunity to bookend that, but that gives you a really nice starting point for them. I like that game. I hope it means something. Yeah. That last one. Now my next game going to be a fun game, right? I'm Mr. Storyline when it comes to, when it comes to picking out these games, I got a game for you, Matt. It's not going to be competitive. All right. I'm just going to get that right out of the way, but it's Creighton. It's DePaul. It's Christmas Day. What more could you ask for? I mean, this game is going to fo- immediately after the Packers, Miami Dolphins at 1 p.m. on Fox. Right? It's going to put the national spotlight on the Creighton Blue Jays. And Tony Stubblefield, he, he's not going to roll over and die. He's got upset on his mind. I like this game a lot. I think it's going to be a fun one to watch on Christmas. Some fun holiday basketball there. Intrigued to see what the ratings end up looking like out of that one, how it compares to the NFL and NBA on Christmas, all that stuff. I'm going to go the end of that week for my second game. Another holiday one, this one on New Year's Eve, UConn at Xavier. These are two teams that are really fighting. Two teams I think can win the Big East, but are fighting for that two or three spot. It's a huge, huge home game for Xavier. Uh, presumably Sean Miller is going to be coaching in this one. It'll be probably his biggest conference test at that point. Plus it's New Year's Eve. I believe this game is at noon on New Year's Eve. You can start that day off in style and watch this one. It's a great day for college basketball. This should just be a, a high level physical game. That's, that's what I'm expecting here. My storyline, I want to see how Andre Jackson and Colby Jones look going against each other. I like that one a lot. A lot of, a lot of holiday basketball in the Big yeah. East. That's the, the way to spend the holidays right there. Yeah, you're going to be watching the Packers, Dolphins, and then once that game turns off, you're, you're going to have the Big East coming at you live, and, and your <laughs> uncle is going to say, what are we watching? You say, <laughs> put that remote down. No, but my last game is a game a little bit later in the season, in the conference season, I should say. February 11th, UConn at Creighton. Now, the reason I picked this game, listen to these scores the last three times they've they've met. 59-56 Creighton, 59-55 Creighton, 64-62 Creighton. They've only faced each other five times ever. Creighton's... 
took all of those games, all five. They're five and zero against UConn. This is going to be a late season test against two teams that are slotted in the top four of the conference. I think that this has potential to be one of the elite games to watch of the year. And I'm really excited to see how Dan Hurley's Huskies face Creighton on the road. Yeah, I, I almost picked that one. I really like that game. Lots of lots of good stuff going on there. My last pick here is going to be the rematch of last year's Big East Championship game, and that's Creighton at Villanova, February 25th. This should just be, I mean, this is the, the old guard versus the new one in the old guards building. So a good chance for Kyle Neptune to prove that he's the guy, a good chance for Greg McDermott to prove that he is the new face of the big East. When these two teams met at Villanova last year, final score was 75 to 41 Villanova, 34 point margin of victory. As far as I can tell, that's the biggest margin of victory ever in the series between the two teams. That was a blowout. Sure, Creighton's not going to want to let that happen again next year. This should be a really competitive game, and it's near the end of the season. A couple weeks left there. This is around the time of year last year when Creighton went to Providence, and Providence ended up winning the conference. So, could be huge, huge implications on the line with Villanova hosting Creighton. February twenty fifth for that one. February twenty fifth. That's my girlfriend's birthday. Shout out, Mags. I've been to <laughs> two Villanova Creighton games, and the one was years and years ago when Ethan Roggy went, he blacked out and went absolutely berserk. <laughs> he had like seven threes, eight threes. I, I got to look it up. I've never <laughs> seen Villanova beat Creighton in person. I, I'm i scarred. I'm done going to those games. But <laughs> and, <laughs> that's that's my personal story. Wrapping it up. Yeah. Oh, we we got what success looks like. We got for, one more before that, Tommy. Ooh. I forgot to mention this before that we want to talk about it. We're talking about the end of the season here, but let's talk about the very first night of college basketball this year. They did it last year. They're bringing it back this year. It's Fox's whip around coverage. So if you're looking for your team's game on Monday, you are not going to find it on Fox sports. One, if you go to Fox sports, one, what you're going to find is NFL red zone style coverage of all eight games being played that night. They're going to bounce back and forth between them. We've got some staggered start times too, to make that easier. If you want to watch your team's game, you can just go to the Fox sports app and select it. What are your thoughts on this and how that works for basketball? I mean, I think it's more interesting to watch a seven game, four hour block because frankly, a lot of these games are probably going to be pretty non-competitive if you're asking me, but in this TikTok generation where these kids' attention spans are, are smaller than a goldfish nowadays, I don't think this is a bad idea. I think the Big East and, and the fans of the Big East basketball are expanding. So, I mean, doing this as a test run, I, I don't have a problem with it the first night. I love NFL Red Zone, so I guess it's the same kind of idea. I, I, I want to see it in practice again, though, because. It was a little rough the first time. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm hoping we see a more polished product this yeah. time around. I'm I'm intrigued by it. I don't think it's a bad concept for basketball. The problem is that I think most teams are fans of their most fans are, are fans of their team first, and they want to watch their team play, and they're just going to go find their game and not watch the red zone. 
it might be the whip around. It might be good for the conference as a whole. For neutral viewers, this is probably really, really good. There's just not going to be a lot of neutral viewers interested that night, I don't think. Providence, Seton Hall, and Georgetown fans are going to be the neutral viewers that night. They start on Tuesday and Wednesday, so maybe they're maybe they can be the test dummies here. If you're a if you're a Seton Hall, Providence, or Georgetown fan, and you want to give us your takes on this as a, an outsider looking in, please send us some comments. We'd love love to hear that. But we're going to wrap this up the way we've been doing it for all of these. Tommy, I got one question for you. In the 2022-23 college basketball season. What does success look like for the Big East Conference as a whole? Five. Five teams in the NCAA tournament. I think that's a realistic goal. I, I think that is what success looks like. I mean, there's so many storylines that we could follow along with. Uh, who's going to carry the torch that Jay Wright left behind and and all of those that we've gone over through this wonderful 12 days of Big East Miss season. But um I would like to see five teams in the NCAA tournament at a bare minimum. I think we have the talent and potential to get it, that number up maybe to seven, but at the bare minimum, a good showing put five out there. My number here is going to be two and that's two teams in the sweet 16. Okay. We got two team, two teams in the top 16 of the AP poll Villanova and Creighton should still be there by the time the season ends. They could be joined by more Big East teams. I think you'd like to see at least two teams from the Big East get get through to the second weekend of March Madness. At a pretty good time last year with Providence and Villanova doing it. like to see it again this year. And last year, the way Seton Hall and Marquette ended up going out, uh, and then you add on UConn getting upset and all of a sudden you're down to three teams like that. I think a better showing in the NCAA tournament is what you want. Bonus points if you're able to get teams there that aren't Villanova. Villanova's been the mainstay. And if you want to prove that this conference is deeper than just one team, this is a really, really good year to do it. Yeah. Let's get a team like Butler in there. Why not? Let's do it. Georgetown. This is their year. Georgetown. Georgetown to the Sweet 16. Make it happen. We're starting the campaign now. Get on board. Let's get some merch going. I think that's going to do it for us here with the league preview. If you want to check out any of our team previews, you can go back in your feed. Just scroll right on back. We have one for every single team. They're all about 20 minutes, so it should be an easy listen if you're trying to get some prep in here at the start of the season. If you're listening to this after it comes out, make sure to check on our website for the companion articles for all of them. We have written team previews for everything. And I have a power rankings and league preview starter article coming up today that you can go and take a look at a new version of that article. It's going to come out every Sunday throughout the season updated with thoughts each week in the big East with our updated power rankings, updated players of the week, stuff like that. So you're not going to want to miss those. Make sure you do that. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Road to the Garden. Subscribe wherever it is that you are listening to us. And I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, that's Tommy Godin. I'm Matt Sanjean. Thanks for listening.